Hey, this is Find Out, a podcast for student-aged girls. We are going to be answering heavy questions students from Central Church have asked. Our goal is to unpack these questions, looking to scripture to guide us. Know that our heart is to always point you back to the Lord. Hey guys, it's Abby and Kathleen. And we're here today with another episode for you. Today, we're going to look at the question of what happened to people who died before Jesus came back. But (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a question that requires a pretty extensive answer. So maybe you take a break in the middle of this podcast and go get a snack or something, or you take this in <laughs> some popcorn, two sittings, <laughs> yeah, some popcorn, two sittings, whatever you need to do. But um, we're excited to go through this today for a few different reasons. But before we get into that, Kathleen, I have a question for you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen, if, if you were a vegetable, what? <laughs> what vegetable would you be and why? Okay. Why? Wow. First off, I want the audience to know, our listeners, that I had no idea what this question was going to be. Vegetable. You know, I really want to say that I would be a tomato because it's very versatile. Not only am I technically a Mm. fruit, but I'm also thought of as a vegetable. And I can be used in a lot of different scenarios. So I would like to think I'm a tomato. For all you tomato haters out there... I'm sorry that you hate me. (laughs) Kathleen, I hate to break it to you. I actually do not like tomatoes. So you don't like me? (laughs) I like you. Now, my thing with tomatoes is I want to like tomatoes so badly. I keep buying them. I keep buying them every time I go to the store. I want to like them so bad. And every time I eat one, it's just not very good. But tell me this. Do you like ketchup? Yes. (laughs) Why did she think so long on that? I don't know. She really thought about that, guys. (laughs) I did. Well, ketchup isn't something I eat a lot, but not because it's like the tomato flavor. It's like the vinegary sweet flavor. I'm just going to let you know something that really grinds my gears, and it's people who say they don't like tomatoes but really love ketchup. Talk about grinding my gears. Ketchup doesn't taste like tomatoes but it's still a tomato product well yes but so it I, just okay so so me. is salsa <laughs> i love salsa love salsa absolutely delicious thank you Don't like thank tomatoes. you see i a tomato i'm so versatile okay. exactly so you can be ketchup or salsa <laughs> anyway <laughs> all right Hey, like I said, this is a question that requires kind of a long answer. So take this in two parts if you need to. Um, But before we get into it, I'm going to repeat the question and then tell you kind of my experience with it. Because I've actually asked this question. So I really appreciate whoever, um, whoever wrote this down for us to go through. But the question is, what happened to people who died before Jesus came? So meaning, um, like, when people died, we know that the way that we get to heaven to spend eternity with God is because Jesus came down as a perfect sacrifice for us. And then he died on the cross for our sins. Um, Before that, what was the case for those people that died before Jesus came and died on the cross? Like, where did they go? Um, This is something that I've asked. It's one of the very first things that I noticed about the Bible that didn't really seem to add up. My thing was, if they didn't have Jesus to save them from their sin, then how is it fair that we do now? If they didn't have, um, if, If it were true that people in the Old Testament had no chance at salvation because Jesus hadn't come back, then that would mean that God was unfair. And 
as we go through this question today, we'll see the flaw in my question um, and the flaw in my reasoning. And I think it's going to bring us, as it did me, to a greater understanding of the Lord and his character, because kind of the way that I approached this question was, I mean, I was wrong in some in some aspects of this, like even just looking back to the question I asked, pointing this finger at God for being unfair, like that's not the case at all. And so I'm excited to go through this and show you guys what I found through it and let you know that like I have asked this. Yeah, I think... Abby hit right on it. You know, we ask a lot of these questions and something you guys may notice as we go through all of these podcasts is we kind of hit on the heart behind some of these questions because I think it's really important to know where we stand when we're asking specific questions to the Lord. And so with this one, um, just as Abby was saying, you know, she kind of came to realize like, oh, uh, maybe I'm yeah, asking I was wrong, not the right way. Um, so just before we really dive in, we wanted to share some scripture because in general, we want you to grow in your understanding of who the Lord is through answering some of these questions. Um, and we don't want to get so trivial down to things because we know that the Lord, um, he isn't keeping secrets from us, but we're just not meant to understand um, everything that the Lord does. And so we really want to focus on who the Lord is, because after all, that is all that matters. Um, so if you have your Bible, turn with us to Ephesians 2, and we'll start in verse 4. So this scripture reads, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I don't know about for you guys, but reading this passage tells us a lot about the Lord, that he is rich in mercy, great in love, rich in kindness and grace. And it also sheds some light of, you know, Jesus's ultimate work on the cross so that we can be with him in his heavenly places. He made the way for us. So as we are tackling this question today, let's just remember at the heart of it who God is. And that is he is a fair God. He is a loving God. He is a gracious God. And ultimately he is kind. So we just wanted to tell you guys that um, to help us process through this question. Yeah, and I think I also want to say before we get into it, like the root of this question is that, I mean, it can come from a couple of different places. It can come from like a true curiosity of like what happened to these people before Jesus came back. Like I don't, did it work the same way? Like mm -hmm. it couldn't have because Jesus hadn't come yet and Jesus came and changed everything. Um, so it can it can come from a true, a true curiosity about that, or it can come from like pointing a finger at some un perceived, I guess in my case, it was unfairness of mm -hmm. God and kind of using it to say, well, the Bible doesn't add up. So it might not be, it must not be true. Um, and as we look at this question, just keep an open mind and let's see what scripture has to say about it. First, we'll look at David and Job's attitude toward death, but these verses are going to mention this word Sheol. And if you're familiar with Sheol, um, this was a <laughs> Sheol confused, confused Kathleen and I so bad. We did so much re research about it. And so if you've heard it before, you'll understand our confusion. If you haven't, this is kind of, this is going to be a really brief explanation 
This is not everything there is to know about it. I was about it. to say, to be honest, we don't know everything. <laughs> no, this is, this is for sure not any kind of all-encompassing deal. But basically, before Jesus came back, there was this place called Sheol, and that's where everyone who died, so whether they believed in God or not, they would die and go to Sheol. And um, it was a place of separation from the Lord, but the righteous people were there, the people that did believe in the Lord, that were living for the Lord, and so were the unrighteous people, the people that didn't believe. And then um, what happened was when Jesus died, he, um, he went down to Sheol and got the righteous people out of Sheol and brought them up to heaven. And then the unrighteous people went down to hell. And so that's the part where we're at now, that heaven and hell scenario. So when we die, we will, if we have accepted Christ and we've accepted salvation, then we will go up to heaven and be with the Lord. And if we've not, then we'll go down to hell. And beyond that, so when Jesus comes back, we will go to like the new heavens and new earth. The Lord is going to come and restore things. And that's where we will end up as righteous as, as Christians. If we, if we have accepted salvation, then we have nothing to worry about and we will go on and dwell with the Lord and in, in the new creation. But, um, the people that are in hell or that have not accepted Christ at that point will be thrown into the lake of fire. And so mm-hmm. that's the final, that's like the final chapter of the this thing called salvation history. Yes. Um. It's all about the perfecting of salvation through time. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So that's a really brief synopsis of kind of what Sheol <laughs> is. Sheol's like the pre, it's like the precursor to what we, mm-hmm. the, to what um, Christ made possible today is for us to go and be able to dwell with the Lord in heaven and then the unrighteous to um, be sent to hell. And so Sheol's just this place where everyone went to when they died, mm-hmm. um, awaiting Christ to come and release them to either be with the Lord or be separated from him. Yeah, Abby, I just want to thank you and say that you did a really good job explaining that. If you guys saw the kind of behind the scenes of us trying to process this and figure it out, it was rough. You can ask the rest of the staff, even Tinsley will make fun of us <laughs> for this now. And some things, we'll touch on this a bunch throughout this podcast, some things on this side of heaven are not to be completely understood at this point, but we will talk more about that later. Um, and I just wanted to mention too, as Abby was saying, the righteous and unrighteous all went to the same place called Sheol. And as I believe it, of course, we've never been, <laughs> but as I believe it, there were like different levels and things. And so at this point in the podcast, if you want to rewind back a few minutes and re-listen to that and just try and understand, again, we don't know everything, but from our um, hours and hours and hours of research and asking questions, um, that's what we've come to. So the perfecting of salvation. It's kind of cool when you think about it. Yeah, it is. Okay, so like Abby mentioned before, Sheol, uh, we are looking at David and Job's attitudes towards death today. So first we're going to look at David in Psalm 17, verse 15. It reads, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. This is just a cool verse to look at David and his attitude towards death. He knows he's about to behold the face of the Lord in death, and he calls it this awakening. He is awakening to the Lord. He knows on this side of life, um, he hasn't fully seen or fully understood what the Lord is doing. So it's kind of cool to 
look at him and he's anticipating this death when he goes to sleep. And so we know, we know from his attitude that, look, he knows what beholds him on the other side. Um, and for him at this point in history, it was Sheol and he knew he was going to be with the righteousness uh, or with the righteous when he died. Um, and so we'll continue down to 18 verses one through six. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God, I cried for help from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. A few things to note in this scripture is that we see David wrestling pretty hard with some stuff. He's wrestling with death, with enemies, but there's a constant and that constant is the Lord. And over and over again, he says, my God, my rock, my fortress, fortress, my strength, my salvation, my stronghold. These are pretty powerful statements. Um, that David is admitting that the Lord is his salvation from um, the entanglement that is Sheol, um, his enemies, as death approaches him, he's looking to the Lord for salvation, for a way to come out of this. I just, I have learned a lot from looking at what David's attitude here is um, in the face of death. And then I encourage you guys to fully read the Psalm 17, Psalm 18 in its entirety, just for the sake of time. We're not going to be doing that today, but I did want to skip down to Psalm 18, verse 49. And it says, for this, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. And we know that through the line of David is Jesus, right? So uh, that's just a cool kind of thing. Like this truly is the line of salvation. And as we were talking about the perfecting of salvation, uh, we knew that the Lord was coming. The prophets told us that. And so we are part of that inheritance. And so um, he is to be praised for that. He saved us and we should sing his name knowing that he has saved us from the chains of death. So, yeah, that's kind of a look into uh, David's attitudes towards death. And I think Abby's going to tell us a little bit about Job now. Okay, so in Job's case, um, Job talks about death in a different light in his book. So if you'll turn to Job 21, verses 13 through 16 is what we're going to look at. So if you have your Bible, um, you can pause this and go grab it. If not, we'll read it. If you're, like, in the car or something, we'll read it for you. No worries. Um this says, starting in verse 13, and also before I read, Job is talking about, um, he's making a distinction between the wicked people who prosper on earth, so people that are living in sin or people that don't believe in the Lord, um, and how they prosper on this earth, that the world the world satisfies them, and, um, and that good things come to them on this earth, or like worldly things come to them on this earth. And so he makes this distinction between them and himself. He says, they spend their days in prosperity, and in peace they go down to Sheol. They say to God, depart from us. We do not desire the knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we get if we pray to him? Behold, is not their prosperity in their hand? The counsel of the wicked is far from me. So 
Job is looking at these wicked people on earth who prosper, and he says that their fate is Sheol, and that their only happiness will be on this earth. So we can conclude that Sheol here is talking about Hades. It's talking about hell. Um, and this tells us that everyone, righteous or unrighteous, goes down to Sheol. Um, but Sheol also translates to hell sometimes in the Old Testament. So that's where this comes from. You can look at the context and see kind of what the word means. But Job here is looking at Sheol as a place where unrighteous people go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very important when you're reading the Old Testament to know the context of which in which Sheol is being used. We learned that lesson. Yes. Probably a little later than we should have. Yeah, it's pretty confusing <laughs> if you don't have that knowledge that mm-hmm. Sheol sometimes can mean hell and sometimes it means Sheol where both the righteous and unrighteous yeah. go. Um, okay, so now we're going to look at, we're going to move on from an attitude towards death, as we saw with David and Job. And we're going to look at physical death in the life of Moses. For those of you who have spent any amount of small time with me, you might know that I love the Old Testament and I love the story of Moses and the Israelites. And so you're probably like, please stop talking about this. But on the real, uh, we know the word says there have been none like him, Moses, and we can really learn a lot from him. Um, he just, he did such a great work and he loved the Lord. And so, uh, kind of to situate us within this scripture, this is the point in which the Israelites have wandered within the wilderness for 40 years. And, um, They are now about to walk into the promised land, but Moses disobeyed the Lord and he is not going to be able to lead them into the promised land. Um, Instead, the servant Joshua will. Um, But however, the Lord does a really kind thing and allows Moses to still see the promised land. But also to note, uh, Moses is 120 years old. He has lived a full life. And so we're going to just read. It's in Deuteronomy 32 verse 48 through 50. That very day, the Lord spoke to Moses, go up this mountain of the Abram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab opposite Jericho and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for possession and die on the mountain, which you go up and be gathered to your people as Aaron, your brother died in Mount Hor. And it was gathered to his people. So the Lord is telling him, he's like, all right, you can situate yourself here at Nebo. And this is, you're going to go up on the mountain and this is where you're going to die. And if we kind of fast forward a little bit to chapter 34, it says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea, the Negev and the plain, that is the Valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. So a few things to note here. Um, 
the Lord was gracious, as we read in Ephesians earlier. He is rich in his grace, and he was gracious to Moses, even though he was disobedient to the Lord, to show him the promised land, to show him where the Israelites were going to find their safety, where they were finally going to be out of the wilderness. We also can note... um, Moses's obedience in this moment, he knows. He knows um, his fate here, but also he has walked a full life with the Lord. He is 120 years old, and he knows that the Lord is faithful. And so he goes up on the mountain. We don't see Moses complained. <laughs> Moses hesitated, which is really interesting compared to the start of his walk with the Lord, right? Because he was hesitant to go to Pharaoh in the beginning. But here, Moses is not hesitant at all. Um, and I I think if you skip down to verse seven, it says Moses was 120 year olds when he died. His eyes were undimmed and his vigor unabated. Man, I mean, Moses is just a cool guy, guys, <laughs> and we have a lot to learn from him, and that is that he trusted the Lord. He trusted what the Lord was doing in this moment, and ultimately he knew he was dying to be with the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. I love to I love looking at Moses's death and seeing that he pictures it as like the Lord is going to continue to be faithful to me even in death, even as mm-hmm. I pass on to Sheol, um, knowing that like I will be with the Lord one day. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to the moment when Jesus is going to come back and change things. Moses looks at his death as the Lord is going to continue to mm-hmm. be faithful to me. Why should I question that? Yeah. Um, there's two more men that we're going to talk about in the Old Testament. Their names are Enoch and Elijah, and they actually um, did not like die physical death. It's kind Mm -hmm. of interesting. We'll look at what happened (laughs) to them. But so far we've looked at two men's attitude toward death, David and Job in the Old Testament. How did they perceive death? What was their attitude towards it? Because I think looking at that can tell us a lot about Mm -hmm. um, what death meant for people in the Old Testament. And then to see Moses, to have a picture of Moses approaching death as like the fulfillment of the Lord's faithfulness to him. But now we're going to look at Enoch and Elijah. And first Enoch, we have a little bit about him. We're going to go to Genesis 5 verse 24. It says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Um, We know that Enoch was a man that walked with God. And then one day he was not found, the Septuagint says, um, for God took him, which... I mean, we don't really get much explanation (laughs) beyond that. He was just walking with God one day and God just took him. Yeah. I love this verse. It tells you what you need to know. And that is he walked with the Lord and the Lord took him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, but seriously, I think just to know that it literally says God took him. Like, you know, God was responsible for that. And so it's not like people in the Old Testament just... I don't know, died and died. You know, we know that the Lord still took care of them, even in the Old Testament. Um, And sort of similarly, we're going to look at the life of Elijah. We have a little bit more detail in these verses. So we'll turn to 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. 
So starting in verse 11, it says, And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. So in this moment, some context, Elijah and Elisha (laughs) were walking. And if you know who Elijah is, he was a great prophet of the Old Testament. And here in this moment, Elijah is literally taken up by a whirlwind of fire. I mean, like, what? (laughs) That's so crazy. Can you imagine seeing a whirlwind of fire coming and then it being for you? And with chariots. Exactly. (laughs) I would be so... I would be so freaked out. I would be like, uh... I mean, how do you explain that to people? Literally, you go back and you're like, yeah, just a whirlwind. I just imagine (laughs) Elijah and Elisha being like, are you seeing this? Are you seeing? Are you are you seeing this right now? Are we seeing the same thing? And then Elijah getting taken by it. I just what a what a scene to picture. Yeah, I also think it's funny if you skip down a few verses. Like even Elijah's clothes were left behind. Like his cloak was on the ground, and it's just like Elisha took it. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's just oh, a, can't leave his coat here. <laughs> See him in heaven. <laughs> No, but on the real, <laughs> um, again, this is a moment where it's kind of like, okay, wait, again, the Lord took this man. Um, so they, Enoch and Elijah did not die physical deaths, but the Lord took him. He prepared a way for them, even if that was into Sheol with the righteous. Um, the Lord still provided a way through death um, to comfort his people. Yeah, absolutely. So... In short, those who were faithful to the Lord on earth went to be with him in heaven when they died. Um, We see them, yes, they go to Sheol with the righteous and the unrighteous, but we know that Jesus came down and changed all of that. Um, Jesus' death, he went and released the righteous from Sheol to dwell with the Lord in heaven, and the unrighteous went down to hell. And so that's the part of the salvation history that we stand in now. Um, but we know that because of how we see David and Job talk about death and because of Enoch and Elijah having been taken up by God to heaven and just through Moses's assurance that um, the Lord is going to be faithful to him after he died, that in the Old Testament, these people knew that the Lord is going to be faithful to them. They, they had assurance that like, my God is, my God is faithful. That word just keeps ringing in my ears is that even in this death, this unknown we, we can know on this side of heaven that the Lord is, is faithful mm-hmm. beyond that. And so we know that the Lord brings his people back to him. Yeah, I mean, that is literally the whole point of who Jesus is in the Old Testament constantly points back to him. I think we talked about that in our doubts podcast. Um, we can just look upon the face of Jesus. And I mean, guys, like he... The Lord wants to be with his creation. He desires that above all else, that all people should be saved, that his His heart, he is a kind God. And so we hope that you guys know that. I know it can be tough because it's like we, we don't get to see what Sheol looks like. We don't get to see what heaven looks like on this side of um, eternity. But just to know that God has for thousands and thousands of years throughout creation been working towards bringing his body of Christ back together. I mean, that's just incredible, really. Um, So as we're closing today, 
We just wanted to give you some scripture to, on your own, go and read. And this is a moment in Isaiah where you see the throne room. And I believe we've gone over this a few times on Wednesdays and Sundays. So hopefully you guys are familiar with this passage. But ultimately, yes, we don't know what heaven looks like. But I think this picture Isaiah lays out for us where he is in the throne room of God is just a beautiful picture and we can look to the scripture and just know more about um God and what his physical presentation is going to be I I'm so excited for that day maybe a little nervous but excited and so we got we want y'all to go read Isaiah 6 1 through 4 spend some time this week studying that passage looking at it don't just read it and move on actually study it verse by verse the intentional words Isaiah uses remember he is looking upon the throne and he is grasping at words, trying to describe the, um, the glory he's beholding, how magnificent it is. And so just turn to that scripture throughout this week. Again, that's Isaiah six, one through four. And as we're closing today, I'm going to read out of first Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Guys, the Lord loves you. He knows you. He knitted you in your mother's womb. And I know that it can be frustrating to not have all of the answers, but one day you will know. And that is on the other side. And we are, as Christians are called to faith and faith isn't sight, right? It's believing in something you don't necessarily see. So hold that verse true. And as this week goes on and yeah, that's all we have. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Hey, before you guys log off, um, I just wanted to get on here. We want you to know that Jesus is faithful to all of us in death. And so we saw him, we saw David and Job and Enoch and Elijah and Moses look at death as the fulfillment of the Lord's faithfulness to them um, and resting in the promise that they will go on to be with the Lord. And maybe you're hearing this episode and you're thinking, I don't know if that's me. I don't know if I'll go on to be with the Lord. Can I tell you that Kathleen and I are here to, um, to talk to you about that if you want to talk about it. Um, we encourage you to reach out to us if you're unsure, or maybe you've just never heard the gospel message before. Um, and this is that. It's that um, God sent his son down, his son Jesus, down from heaven as a perfect sacrifice for us and our sins. And so Jesus came to this earth. He lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross for our sins in order to make us right with God. If we accept that salvation, we're able to go up to heaven and dwell with the Lord forever. And so you can do that by Romans 10, 9 tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then later in verse 13, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can do that right now. You can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus, that Jesus was raised from the dead by God um, and have that salvation and have that same assurance that we see that Moses and um, Moses and David and Job have in death that the Lord is going to be faithful to them. That's Kathleen and I's prayer for you guys is that you would know that the Lord loves you and that he's faithful to you and that this message um, can can save you, that the Lord is just, he's so faithful. He loves you so much. And so I just wanted to end on that note with 
that's the that's the gospel message that's what the lord offers you and so if if that's you reach out to kathleen or i um, at any time really let today be the day of salvation um, you can you can pray that right now that the lord would open your heart that's our prayer over you so yeah bye <laughs>